Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, a podcast from The Independent on everything to do with love, sexuality, identity and more. This week I'm thrilled to be joined by author, journalist and fellow podcaster Francesca Spector. Francesca is best known for coining the phrase alonement, which is also the name of her podcast and of her first book. Alonement is about celebrating the time you spend alone and as we discuss in the show, Francesca came up with the concept after coming out of a long-term relationship and realising she wasn't so great at spending time on her own. We talk about why it's so important to separate the idea of being alone with being single, why society often prioritises romantic relationships above all others, and the concept of being alone but together. Enjoy the show! Jessica, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm very, very hot. It is crazy weather in London today. It's like 23 degrees and I'm sweating in my small flat. (laughs) Yes, it is absolutely freak weather. And the worst part is I've just realised that the guy who lives in, I don't know, the flat above me or below me or somewhere very nearby has turned into a professional musician during lockdown. So I've been serenaded so I've sort of closed all the windows and the, and, and the balcony door just in case his uh his dulcet tones come through oh my so. <laughs> god that must be so annoying <laughs> well I think he wants to be the unofficial sort of backing track for this podcast because he uh, wow. yeah he really he's really put on a show for us today that must be really fun to live with so <laughs> um, uh, so talk to me about alignment congratulations on the book um could you start us off by talking a bit about what the phrase alone actually means and how you came to write a book around the subject? Well, firstly, thank you so much. Um, it's so it's so exciting. We're still in publication month. Okay, it's you know March when we're recording now, and it came out earlier this month. And yeah, it's kind of crazy to finally share it with the world. Um, so. Alonement is a word that I created in early 2019, uh, and it means positive solitude, the, you know, the joys of spending time alone when it's either just, you know, hedonistic and fun or personally very fulfilling. And the reason that I felt the need to create a word rather than just reach for a word is that there wasn't any word that existed to describe when alone time had this. I mean, you know, people throw out solitude as a sort of counterexample, but actually solitude can be used in any context. You know, you can use it in a, in a negative or a positive context. Whereas alonement, it's almost a sort of self, self-explanatory phrase that you can use when you say to people, look, I'm having some alonement tonight or within a couple, you know, oh, I, I, you know, I really love you. I just need some alonement. And the reason that I needed to create it for myself at the time because I'd just come out of a relationship when I created it is that I was one of those people that couldn't spend any time alone and I almost needed to sell it to myself as a concept because I was such an extrovert that I would do anything possible to avoid spending time alone and especially at this point in January 2019 I had just got out of a long-term relationship. Uh, all my friends were in relationships at the time that, you know, the classic, we never managed to coordinate these things. And I was really doing quite crazy things to try and avoid time with myself. Like, you know, going and staying with friends every weekend just to avoid being alone or, you know, attending friends of friends' birthdays, you know, just to avoid having a night in. And so 2019, January, New Year's resolution season, 
it was the time I decided that that was going to change because I realized that I was acting out of a space of fear. So I said, look, I'm going to make this New Year's resolution to learn to be alone and tolerate it, you know, not even not even love it, just tolerate it. And so I wrote this blog in 2019 and I announced my intention to, I don't know, probably all of 10 people who read my blog at that point. And um, and yeah, and I and in that I coined the word alonement just out of necessity. I mean, I've since trademarked it, started a podcast on it, written a book on it. But back then it was just it was just to fill a gap in, you know, my own my my own language, um, you know, my own sort of frame of reference. And it became really, really useful for a lot of people, it turned out. Mm. I think the idea of naming something and recognize it, recognizing it in the form of language is so helpful. I think particularly for issues that affect women. I mean, I'm thinking specifically of Nell Fazel, who I know you interviewed, haven't you? And she coins this term flux, panic years, about that period of your life between, you know, your late 20s and your early 30s when you're kind of juggling career decisions over motherhood, relationships. And it's like, you know, she said a similar thing, giving that a name really validated that experience. And I think in your case, it's really interesting because you kind of gave that a name to encourage you to, to, to validate that form of behavior that you were trying to kind of adapt to, which I think is so normal. Like, particularly if you've been in a long-term relationship, how long, how long were you with your ex for? Yeah, so... I was with my ex-boyfriend for two and a half years, which it's not crazy long, but it was a very, how do I put it? It was a very codependent relationship. Uh, You know, if anyone familiar with the idea of sort of codependence versus interdependence, I never used to realize this, but codependence is the bad one because you sort of rely on each other in a maybe more unhealthy way, Uh, whereas interdependence I've since learned is what you should be striving for that sort of state of sort of coexisting alongside each other but living your independent lives Um, and we were we were definitely codependent we I, I write in the book how we used to shower together and that sounds all sexy and erotic but it really wasn't it was really so we could just keep chatting um which again is is nice but oh my god like I look back at both of us and I think get a life you know like detach um and you know we were very much the couple who would sit you know always always sit next to each other if we were at dinner parties or with friends and I think when you're in that stage where you're almost sort of you know chronically attached to someone it makes it very very hard to come out and reassess who you are as an individual whereas you know I'm sure people could be in a relationship for maybe 10 years and have got a lot further with that and actually be able to you know do independence interdependence a lot easier so yeah I did I did really struggle um even even with things like when you wake up in the morning and you're used to you know sort of texting someone hello or waking up next to someone it just you revisit all of your routines and all even I would you know I, even the way that my social life functioned and I think that there's um, and this is very much true of lockdown actually there's you know there can be very much a thing where as a couple you'll sort of have a default sort of weekend plan um, even if that's just being with one another whereas it did you know it, it forced me to sort of really think about the way I would structure my social life and all of that and my immediate reaction was okay well I need to make it so that I'm never physically alone um and it wasn't you know that that meant that as a single person you end up making a hell of a lot more plans individually rather than just sort of that default position of always being with your partner and I was still in in a way, I was still in a similar position to how I'd been in my relationship in that I had no alone time. It was just done more frantically um, and with a lot more sort of, probably a lot more high maintenance. It took a lot more scheduling. 
Uh, and it was it was really, really strange. And I think that, yeah, almost having we, you know, we, we spoke about we spoke about Nell Frizzell uh, coining the panic years, which I mean, I'm 29. I'm sort of bang in the middle of my panic years, as she would as she would term them. Those, you know, those years where you the question of whether or not to have kids and who with if you do occupies a lot of your mind. Alonement was something that I had to coin for myself in order to almost explore this idea that I didn't need to be with someone 24-7. I could also learn in that in that process of replanning my life, of restructuring my life without a significant other, I began to almost, you know, I needed that word in order to put alone time as a value and to, in order to be able to plan periods of alone time and for that not to be something that was terrifying or this, you know, that just seemed like empty time I hadn't managed to fill. Mm. It's really interesting, I think, talking about this idea of alone within the context of romantic relationships, because like, as you say in the book, you know, we often think about the space being single as synonymous with being alone. Mm. And it's actually, you know, you write about how that leads us to fall into the trap of something called, and I'm going to try and say this word right, amateur-normativity. So talk to me a bit about that and what that means. Yes, so amateur-normativity, and God, it's a hell of a lot of syllables, isn't it? Um, I think, so it, it's, you know, it's basically the idea that romantic relationships are superior and should be, you know, prized above all other relationships that we have in our lives, um, you know, including that with ourselves. And it's, you know, it's easy to see why this happens. We all, we, we love, we love a rom-com. We love to discuss relationships, romantic relationships. We, you know, the world is quite often centered around the idea of the couple, whether that's, you know, the, the big star around, um, Valentine's Day or, you know, celebrity relationships, all of that. And, you know, all these dating shows that are out at the moment. And the problem with that is we often think that any relationship, any romantic relationship is better than no relationship. And that can become really toxic when you're in a bad one. As and as I was, you know, I, I, I was in... For you know, for the first couple of years, it was very lovely. For the, you know, for the for those six months or probably you know probably like a more than a bit more than six months leading up to the end of it, it was it was terrible. We were nasty to each other. Um, you know, no one should stay in that. And I, I think because neither of us had the capacity to think to to even imagine that being apart could be better than being in this sort of horrible dysfunctional. Mm-hmm state I think you know it perpetuated something and it you know to the detriment of both of us and I think that that's something that actually is pretty common you know from and 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 the loneliness around that is quite often in relationships people feel this or this sense of loyalty to their partner and also I think just to this you know this amateur normativity this sense that they're in a relationship so they should feel lucky and grateful and not complain there's almost a lack of honesty around that, that actually a loss of relationships that are in, you know, that are currently in process are not happy ones. And it's, it's very damaging. Yeah, I think we've spoken about this on the show before, but I think as a society, we're just really bad with knowing when to break up with someone. And mm. I think there are so many reasons why we stay with people for far longer than we should. And, you know, a lot of them are very easy to understand. It's the fear of being alone again like we talked about but it's also the fear of hurting someone you love I think it's the fear of the unknown it's 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 that there's so much in it and I think as a result we do end up staying in these relationships and you know often if you are in a relationship that should have ended months previously it will end way worse than it needed to and you will both become really nasty to each other and do awful things and you know that's when people cheat and that's when people Hey, really cool things that have like lifelong impacts and I just think we need to kind of give ourselves a shake and try and have the confidence to break up with someone when we know that 
that's what we want even if you know even if one person wants to break up with their partner and it's not necessarily a mutual thing I think sometimes the kindest thing that you can do to the person that you love if you if you no longer love them anymore is tell them <laughs> rather than stay and try to make it work like that is the kindest and most considerate thing you can do like set them free let them fall in love with someone else yeah absolutely you know let them fall in love with someone else and also let them have their life outside of a relationship. You know, if we, in this fear that we have around breaking up with someone that, oh, we'll ruin their lives. Well, actually we might liberate their lives in other ways. And I think that's the thing about amateur normativity that it assumes that all we want is to be in a romantic relationship. Whereas actually, you know, if you have, and this is, you know, this is where alonement is useful. If you have all these things that you think I can do outside of, being attached to my relationship then you actually have a choice you know you you Mm. kind of have this sense that I don't have to be in something I just did it myself yeah I was gonna say I just did it myself didn't I because I was like let them fall in love with someone else or let them let them be alone (laughs) again you know but that's what I mean it's so entrenched that my first thought just then was like oh let them be with someone else maybe they don't want to be with anyone else (laughs) (laughs) it's so entrenched that I can't even like you're so unconscious of it Um, it's hard yeah it's really hard. hard you know I write in my book that being single it won't last forever and I'm saying that as a warning not a consolation because I think that while being single and alonement are completely different concepts alonement is something you can do whether you're in a relationship or not being single can be a really great time for practicing alonement and and getting to know what things you like doing alone because there's no one questioning you there's no friction there and yeah and it's 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 a really it's a thing to cherish and I think it's hard you know it's harder I think it is harder at the moment for instance I think that being single the best in lockdown the best parts of being single many of them are, are off the cards you know you can't you can't go out and do all these fun activities you might do. Uh, you know, you can't go out and meet people, whether that's platonically or romantically or whatever. Um, and often, you know, it's, it's, I think that even the government guidelines, the way that they've been done, they do sort of reward being in a relationship a lot more, you know, even, you know, that you, for instance, the thing about only being able to socialize with your household, all of that. And I think that, it's really easy to think of these things as, yeah, as, as lacking in value. But, you know, a lot of people tell me, uh, and, and it, it's, it's, you know, you have to be in the right state of mind to hear this. You have to be in a confident state of mind anyway. But a lot of people in relationships, they'll tell me, oh, I, you know, I miss being single, you know, really value it. And I hear, I hear it for what it is. Um, and I think that's only because I've been, in enough relationships to know that the grass isn't always greener and don't get me wrong I still I still forget it quite a lot because I think that in a world where we are constantly given this message that romantic relationships are better um, and particularly a lockdown world where being single is you know it's a sort of it's a less it it it's on average a less enjoyable time than it would be outside of a pandemic Mm. um, I think that it's it's easy to forget um but it's but it's true I think it's really interesting I want to go back to what you said about uh being single and kind of alone within a couple I think that's a really important point and distinction to make but I want to go back to what you said about the government guidelines during the pandemic because you're so right it did completely favor people in relationships and that I think is really reflective of the way we are conditioned to view single people as a, as a society, you know, there was even that moment in September, and I remember this so clearly when the government said, you know, you can't be inside with someone, basically meaning you can't have sex with someone if you're single, unless you are in a quote unquote established relationship. And it's just like, what do you mean established relationship? <laughs> like, do you know how complicated the dating scene is now today? Like people will be like, oh, we're hanging out. Oh, we're seeing each other. Oh, we're just shagging. Oh, whatever. Like. Do, are, are any of those an established relationship? Like, what does that even mean? It's so ridiculous. It's almost like reverting you back to childhood when you had to like ask someone, oh, will you be my girlfriend? Will you be my boyfriend? Whatever. It's just, it's so strange and archaic and really, really exclusive. 
Yeah, it completely does. And I, it's funny, I've spoken to other single people who've said to me, yes, I, I had to have that sort of, will you be my, I don't know, pandemic partner, whatever, however you say it these days, um, that, that conversation, because especially when people are, you know, very, very wary, you know, very seeing parents, whatever, you, of course, you know, you have to, it's, 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 it's a practical measure. And it's a shame because it takes, it only enables one sort of relationship, which is one that is created almost as a response to the fear of being alone. And, you know, okay, maybe you could say that we, that the whole human condition, the whole, you know, the whole history of romance is a, is a response to the fear of being alone. But I think that something driven by fear, something driven by someone saying, okay, I am hating being single in this time so much that I'm going to enter into something quite intense at a really strange, strange timeline, you know, you know, at a much more accelerated pace than I would otherwise. It's not, it's not necessarily healthy and nor is it necessarily superior, but I think that it's very, and it's, you know, especially once there's two people involved, it's very hard to admit that you might've made a mistake in that. You write in the book about the dangers of our obsession with romantic relationships, which I think Mm. kind of touches on the things we've been talking about. I think we know how that manifests, you know, but but where do you think that comes from? Does it come from popular culture? Yeah, I, I mean, I can only, you know, I, I, I always, think back to growing up you know, I grew up on a cultural diet of what Notting Hill and uh, Britney Spears lyrics and all of that and there you know there wasn't I don't know if it's just a well millennial thing or you know if it's if you know if it's something that is as universal because I think I want I wonder um you know Gen Zers sort of being shown things like the single positivity movement as an alternative you know, I wonder whether it's a cultural narrative that we've been fed that, but we can change. Mm. Um, you know, I think, you know, there, there is, there is something deeply at the heart of us that, you know, I think that there is, you know, there is this sort of primal fear of, I say being alone, but we, I, I believe that we are all alone in our minds. We are. So, you know, I think there's a primal fear of acknowledging that we are alone. And that's why, we seek connection, which is very important. But the fact that we focus primarily on romantic connection is really strange because I think that, you know, speak to anyone in an established relationship as the government would term it. And they will tell you that that's not enough to prevent feeling lonely, pandemic or otherwise. So the fact that we fixate so much on romantic relationships is strange. And I wonder whether that is something that is this big conspiracy we've been fed or there's something more Mm. to it I mean the only the only other explanation is of course biology um you know and I I wonder why that's (laughs) I wonder if that's why you know for instance I know that you know I've heard anecdotally that women you know past the age of having children will date in a much different way and not feel the need to um to, I know that, you know, I know that actually statistically women are less likely to remarry in middle age than men after they're divorced, uh, which is very interesting. And I do, I wonder whether that's because once the biology is taken out of it, actually these intense romantic relationships seem less necessary or appealing. Yeah, that's so interesting. You mentioned the single positivity movement. Uh, so what, what exactly is that? Where does that come from? I think my first response is that it's better than nothing. I think that, you know, there's never really, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think what there was before. Maybe the song Single by Natasha Bedingfield. I mean, I'm I'm struggling. I'm really grappling for, you know, for references from the sort of 90s, noughties when you know, being single was anything less than a terrible disease. But um, yeah, I, I think that it's, it's better than nothing. Nothing, you know, no movement is perfect when it starts off and there's always going to be that push-pull, at it but you know I think that so as far as I can tell it's emerged from the likes of Lizzo is someone that's always (laughs) referenced um you know for her song lyrics which just you know which raise being single up and she has that pride in it um I also I think that um Ariana Grande when she was single said some really amazing things about learning to uh to love herself and, and, and learning to, you know, being, being her own friend. And that, 
that was really lovely. Um, and also on the subject of friends, you know, she's always, you know, being a good friend to others, because I think that that's also probably part of the single positivity movement. It's not being single at the expense of all other relationships. It's also having, you know, it's also prioritizing and valuing other ones. But I think it's, you know, I think it's lovely to see. I always think that you can't be what you can't see. And so I love seeing, you know, very successful, very gorgeous women like Lizzo and Ariana Grande singing about these things. And, you know, and, and Emma Watson as well. Emma Watson came out with her self-partners comment in 2019, um, which isn't necessarily about being single, but, you know, about sort of looking out for yourself. And I think that having these people to point to is really, really compelling. And I think that if, uh, you know, we all know how impressionable we were as teenagers and even being able to look up and have these icons when you previously had only ever had, you know, sort of, people singing about relationships and being defined in relation to whoever they were dating. I think it's, it's just, you know, at a very basic level, it's it's a very powerful thing to see. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm 29. I sort of, I do, I wish I had it growing up. I don't know how you feel. Yeah. I wish I I had it growing up. Absolutely. I think, you know, for me, it's kind of just, it's really hard to shape that idea of like oh we should always be striving for that one person who is going to complete you and it's only when you get to that point where you have found your person or your lobster as Phoebe Buffet (laughs) would say and friends you know that you are a complete human and you then go and live with them and you start a life with them and you know it does sound really archaic to think that way now but like I said it's a really difficult expectation to to part with um I think when it's still perpetuated you know yes we do have these things like single positivity movement and yes we do have wonderful people like Lizzo but it's I think for our age group you know because we were raised on all of this stuff it's it's much harder to actually move away from it once it's already so deep in your mind but like you said I do think Gen Z will be, be different because they are being reared on such different cultural diet and there's so much that has changed in the world and you know they're growing up with social media we kind of got social media when we were like at uni and just finishing school so it's not really the same I love your idea of in the book you talk about creating a greeting card for celebrating when someone is single and out of a bad relationship I think that's such a good idea yeah (laughs) because also just like like you said like celebrating the courage that it takes to to walk away from a relationship and finally say goodbye I think that is something that we should really celebrate absolutely I think we really should and I think yeah you know it's if you if you think about how we culturally sort of reward things you know someone stays in a terrible relationship and they get engaged and then everyone rocks up and celebrates it and there's this sort of awkward undertone that everyone sort of knows that actually behind the scenes things aren't so great and we're, we're almost we're rewarding fear whereas I think that it's it, it's important to reward boldness because it does it, it's very it's uh, certainly ending my relationship was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do it, it it is incredibly hard and often you know your only reward is what is you know a string of Saturday nights ahead of you that you don't know how to fill and you know a sense and and worry and I think that if we were to give support to people you know obviously this isn't about being intolerant or ending relationships that are good or any of that but there are there are a lot of bad relationships out there and a lot of people staying in them for the wrong reasons and a lot of you know at the extreme of it a lot of wasted lives Mm. you list some of the benefits of being single um in the book can you tell me what some of your favorite parts of being single were when you broke up with with your ex in 2018 the things you kind of started really enjoying and cherishing again Mm. so it was it was difficult immediately you know obviously no one gets out of a relationship and thinks uh, you know oh this is the best yeah it's the, I mean, it's the best I, month ever I imagine it took some um, time to get to that yeah yeah it does take they t- say it takes 30 days to kick a habit I don't know how that for you know filters 30 in days but I mean that is that's optimistic I'd that would say. be that would be accelerated right that would be yeah that would be like pro level breakup yeah. um but no I mean 
alonement for me to be honest as a, you know as a concept in itself was it was the reward for my breakup once I discovered it I think that having that time when you don't just having those those windows of time where you don't have to think oh could I be um you know could I be seeing my ex-boyfriend's family or like you know all the you know should I should I be going to that thing with him or should I be um you know should I be doing like thinking of someone else or should I be catching up with the friends that I've sort of neglected um because I was too busy doing relationship stuff you know you you do you do just have that those windows of time that you didn't have before and I think that as with any transition in life it's a really special thing or it can be you can impose some re- something really special on that time um or you can just you know or as, as I say my immediate reaction was to see it as not valuable but you know once you're able to reframe it then I think that that is one of the biggest benefits um, of being single and I think if we're if we're able to see that it you know it does it does take again I think it takes being okay to know that the reason that you have that empty time is because you're single in the first place which is probably the harder thing mm. um, but it but it really is a gift having that and I think that you know we forget how many sort of boring admin parts there are of a relationship people you know people moan about wedding planning for a reason it's not just a humble brag it is in- immensely stressful especially you know watching all the people like know who are engaged this year and have had to rearrange their weddings sort of two, three times. And, you know, not having that, it's, you know, it, you don't have a second job and that's great in a, in, a, in a way, you've got to be able to relish that. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Okay, so here's a question. When I... So I was single up until the age of 24. I was very good at being single. And I was very content in my own company. Very happy. Um, But it got to the point, and this might also be because I had never had a romantic relationship before. So I'm aware of that. But it got to the point where I was literally scared of men (laughs) and scared of being with someone. And it wasn't so much commitment issues. It was... I think it was deeper than that. It was kind of this like fear of being so vulnerable with someone mm-hmm. and and having a bit of a warped idea of what a relationship actually was. And I wonder if, regardless of whether you've never been in a romantic relationship before or not, whether you've just been single for a really long period of time, do you think you can get too good at being single to the point where you will find it very difficult to actually let anyone in and kind of, bring your walls down and be vulnerable with someone sure well I mean to start with on a practical level you know I spoke earlier about how when I got out of my relationship I had to sort of restructure my life because I was so used to having this person to spend weekends with the same is true of you know learning to be 
to get into a relationship from being single. Suddenly you kind of think, oh, I don't have all this time for myself. And oh, how am I going to negotiate that? And oh, I can't just sit and read a book without being disturbed. And you have to sort of set the, have these have these conversations and and set, you know, and set boundaries and things. And it's it's that is hard. That's that, you know, any any transition is always difficult. Um, but I think, you know, what you're saying as well is on that deeper level that idea of being vulnerable to someone it is hard and I think we perhaps when we think about dating it's you know we 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 can kind of control the elements of like oh do I look nice have they you know have we picked a good spot did we connect well on hinge but the whole thing about actually letting another person into your life especially when you've learned to be good at being alone in a single sense it is hard and it's, I think it's hard for a reason as well. You know, it's worth saying it's, you know, it's, it's an absolute, to be able to be by yourself is an absolute skill. Um, and there is a sense to which you, you know, you, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a, oh, you know, finally this person's here to save me. Therefore I'll let down all, all my barriers. Um, you know, it, it, it's nice to almost think that they should be a gradual easing in. But I do, I do think it's definitely something you have to relearn, especially mm. when I think that you've almost become good at, I don't know, I, I've certainly experienced, um, you know, outside of, outside of lockdown, I think I've, not in an arrogant way, become quite good at, you know, first, second, third dates. It's the, it's the going forward part that can be very difficult. Um, mm. I don't know if you've ever, if you got to that stage, maybe in your single life where you found that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think because the, the classic thing is like, you have the excitement of the first few dates and then suddenly it gets to a point where like, well, you actually have to start to get to know this person. and They can no longer be the fantasy version that you have of them in your head. And you have to kind of let your walls down and you have to actually like open up to them and, you know, listen to them open up to you and it, they might not meet your expectations and you then have to kind of take decide whether or not to take that leap I think there is that kind of mark after like a few days mm -hmm. where you have to decide okay am I gonna see if there is actually something here or not and often the easier option is just to think nah <laughs> nah not worth it because <laughs> we're striving for perfection which is also yeah. a problem it's true and when you've really worked on yourself as well um, you know, as you do when you're sort of kind of successfully single, I suppose, you're, even if you know you're not perfect, you're definitely in control of yourself, right? Whereas you kind of, you know, you know the chaos that is you, whereas you don't, you can't really predict the chaos that is another person. And you've got to almost sort of give that sense of, not independence necessarily, but that sense of control away. That can be, it can be a difficult thing. Um, and I think that there's no, perfect solution to that I like to think that if you I like to think if you know that someone is right for you then you'll understand where to make that compromise almost or where to not compromise it's not but where you know where to let in that vulnerability and where to let you know think where, where to let that sense of control slide um, mm. but it, you know it can be difficult and I think another thing that I sort of struggled with dating post you know post discovering this wonderful thing that is alonement was the idea of um you know I went from being very codependent I guess you'd call it sort of you know if you think about attachment theory I guess you could call it like anxious attachment where you're sort of you know you, you need to be constantly reassured mm. to almost the other extreme um where again and that's something about coming very good at being alone um, mm, what the avoid avoidant avoidant, the avoidant yeah and so I you know I I you know infamously this this story sort of says it all I um I dated a, a really wonderful chap who was a you know a massive a massive introvert and and really really didn't need any you know these kind of naturally very solo people um and he was also quite crucially leaving the country eight months from when we started dating and <laughs> talk about you know talk about and that that was a really you know I think that that was a really wonderful relationship in itself um that was a really lovely period of time um and it there was you know talk about good breakups there wasn't even a breakup because we knew what it was but I think that there was almost that 
almost was something I did to sort of border that gap between being in a very codependent relationship and being in a interdependent relationship. It wasn't even independent. It was sort of very, very separate. And I suppose what, you know, what I'm personally striving for now, and I, I think what we, I think what we, you know, we all want to ultimately have at the end of the day is to be with someone that's, you know, kind and warm and to be, I don't know, to be, to be, to be partners, to be part of a team, but also not a team that takes away from your individual identity. I don't know. It, it really, it, it sounds idealistic because it is. It does sound idealistic, but also you do hear about those couples who will just say, you know, they live together, for example, and they'll come home and they'll sit on the sofa and they'll both be doing their own thing. And it's like they're spending time to physically in the same space, but they're both doing their own thing and they're both channeling their own hobbies or interests. And mm. I think that is the kind of thing that we should be aiming towards, where it's like you have full autonomy, but you also feel comfortable enough around your partner to kind of do the things you love and it's not like you're it's not like you're taking away from the relationship by spending time on your own and doing your own thing it's like it's a balancing act and it's not like one is subtracting from the other do you know what I mean yeah no absolutely and you kind of you know I like to imagine a space where you can sort of watch your partner doing something you know that they love doing for themselves and think oh that's great and not think oh that takes away from time with me which I suppose would be an anxious attachment situation um I mean my ultimate romantic fantasy isn't rose petals um or you know walking into the sunset it's literally reading a book at the opposite ends of a sofa to someone and being able to be comfortable with that and you know I think that you know it actually goes back to um the psychologist um Donald Winnicott you know he talks about the idea of learning to be healthily alone when you're a child, that comes from learning that you can be in a room with a caregiver and just sort of know that their presence is there, but not necessarily interact with someone. That's how you learn to be healthily alone from those formative years, not by being left alone all the time. And I think that that's mm-hmm. something that even if, even if that person's not there and even if that person's not a romantic partner, that's something that we, that's a, a feeling that we need to have that we're not sort of alone, even when we're physically alone, um, in order to thrive in our aloneness. I realize I said alone a lot there. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it, it is, it, to be comfortably alone, we need to have that sense of yeah. general connection. And I think that, you know, that, have, that sort of relationship ideal is like a sort of a, quite a, you know, a scenic manifestation of that. Mm. It's so interesting what you say about being alone with a caretaker because I, my whole life, I've always thought I've loved being on my own. I've loved, I've always been really good at spending time on my own and knowing what Mm. to do that calms me down. But I, I had only ever lived with other people, and I, I realise now, now that I actually live alone, I now that the thing that I now, I now know the thing that I was good at was making time for myself surrounded by other people and like kind of Mm. retreating from a situation but knowing that there were people around me but being very comfortable just reading in my bed or having a bath or whatever now that I actually live alone I realize oh oh this is a new thing and it's actually it's actually quite difficult to adapt and I'm not as good as being totally alone as I thought I was because I haven't got those other people around me so it's quite an interesting shift that is interesting. How how long have you lived alone? Since December. Well, that's yeah. So and I not think that, that long. yeah. But you know, I, I I always say to people, look, living alone in a pandemic isn't the same at all because we just don't have that level of you know. Uh, I you know my year of sort of discovering alonement in twenty nineteen has been so different to lockdown time because. I never thought twice about having the connection that you need to almost like have a foundation for your aloneness. And I think that what people who are living alone uh, and, you know, to an extent people who are single just because of the way that the aforementioned government guidelines work, the, the reason why it's harder is because we don't have that baseline that makes us feel okay with it. And that's totally, that's totally valid. You know, it's not, it's not like a failure to, be good at being alone it's just simply too much it's not moderate mm-hmm. totally because you you wrote the book 
when you were living alone didn't you in lockdown yeah I did uh, which was a strange place to be so you know I, I met with my publisher uh, <laughs> infamously, we always say it, you know, it's Valentine's Day 2020, we met. Uh, so just before, you know, before anyone knew what was going to happen to the world. Mm. Um, and yeah, and, and the book obviously evolved um, because, you know, I got the deal as in that March and as the world was changing, it was very, very strange. Um, and so, and, and writing it, you know, I, I'll fully admit, you know, writing it alone in lockdown was probably turned into a different book than it would have been um, otherwise. But I think it, I like to think a better one for the, for the fact that I then realized the need for that moderation. I, you know, because I never had, my life in 2019 had been, even though I was cultivating this love of alone time, it was very, very socially connected in ways where I didn't even have to really, you know, try. I would, I would be going into a, office every day it was very sociable even if I hadn't planned much for the weekends there'd be a Friday night happy hour that I'd attend and that would sort of give me my fix and it yeah I think it was more taxing and it made me think more deeply but I think that what is so relevant now as we're coming out of lockdown is that this is more now that we can have a balance around our alone time these ideas are more valid and also more practical easily to apply practically easy easy to apply practically than than ever and you know that's that's the really positive thing mm. as it coming uh, out when it has yeah um it's time for our lessons in love segment so this is the part of the show where i ask every guest to share something they've learned from their previous relationship experiences so i feel like Every time, increasingly, when we get to the segment in the podcast, I'm like, we've talked about so many things that the guest has learned. So I hope you have something left for us, Francesca. So what is your lesson in love? Yes. Um, okay. So it is socializing as a couple. See your own friends. Well, it's, it's very lovely to have couple friends. That's a whole thing in itself. I think that people people tend to different parts of your identity, right? And it's so, I think that having those relationships outside of your romantic relationship are incredibly important. And they do give you, they, they give you a sense of a fuller self. And I think that couples can quite easily get into that stage of being, you know, almost attached by this sort of invisible umbilical cords to one another. And actually the healthiest thing you can do in a relationship is to see your friends independently and to remember to make time for that and to know that those relationships they aren't you know they, they aren't supporting roles in your life they are also main characters in your life and I think that in you know it the thing that I probably regret most about uh my last major relationship before alone was doing doing that and not you know not and seeing my boyfriend's friends with him and not giving him that time with his friends mm -hmm. um, rather than, you know, rather than letting us sort of be those independent creatures. So many of my friends have said this exact same thing. Uh, one of my closest friends, she, I think you just get into a pattern of it sometimes. Like you get so used to hanging out with your partner's friends as opposed to with your own friends, mm. that it's like the idea of introducing of, of saying no to going to hang out with your partner's friends and just going to see your friends feels like really selfish and really self-serving. And it, it's really strange. I think if you have that really early on in a relationship, it's hard to actually see how unhealthy that can be. And I think, like you say, from the get-go, it's really important to have those boundaries. And yes, obviously it's lovely to be able to hang out with your partner's friends and for them to hang out with your friends but that shouldn't be the norm for every situation because you need that distance, you know? And just aside from anything else, this is quite morbid, but the more you integrate a partner into your life like that, and the more you integrate yourself into theirs, the harder it is to sever ties. And you just have to be careful. You just have to be really careful of that stuff. You have to be aware of it. That's a really, really good point about the severing ties. Yeah, I mean, I, I had wonderful friends through my ex who I lost in the divorce. And, uh, you know, hello to any of them listening. I miss you. But <laughs> I, think, I think that, you know, I think it can go too far that way. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a funny thing as well. Um, 
I think Dolly Alderson talks about this in her book, Everything I Know About Love. There's this bizarre thing where in heterosexual relationships, the woman in the couples tends to hang out with her partner's friends more than the other way around. I don't think, and maybe that's really nice. That's a really nice thing that we, you know, we cherish female friendships and we, you know, we sort of honor it to the extent that we're like, no, this is, you know, this is my night with my friends. This isn't something you can sort of impose upon, but it does get into that weird conflict where you kind of feel that I definitely saw my ex-boyfriend's friends at the expense of, you know, of my, of my own sometimes. And that was a real, you know, that was a thing I regret because I think it really, it didn't serve anyone well. And I think, you know, also for when you get into those dynamics, um, I'm sure that my ex-boyfriend's friends would have also loved to spend time with him independently. It's a really, it's a really strange thing that we get into and no one can sort of say no, or, you know, no, once you've, once you've decided, but, you know, I think having, having clear boundaries around that, as you say, going, going in early on before you establish the strange dynamic where it's like, oh, we all hang out at Sam's house together or whatever. Then I think that that can be, you know, that can be really, really important. And in creating that, that all important space and separateness that relationships do thrive on. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a new listener to this podcast, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or anywhere else. Please do comment and leave us a rating too so that more people can find us. Keep up to date with everything to do with the show on Instagram. Just search Millennial Love. See you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.